we're going to uh, send a team over, continuing the work that God has been doing from um, a few kids to about 52 kids who have a home now uh, in Haiti to uh, two churches, one on the mountain and one uh, by the sea, and uh, two schools. And um, unbelievable ability to just completely uh, be used by God to shape a, a little portion of a nation. So we're just grateful that God in His grace would use us as His church for the sake of His glory. And so um, to get in on that, to be a part of this team, you just come and eat lunch today. So if you had lunch plans, you could text your friends right now and say, instead of meeting me at the, you know, at the golden trough down the street, um, just come over to the chapel. We'll eat together. And so, um, we would love to just share and not, no one go, just go and share life together. Uh, our church is, um, the, the, one of the heartbeats that, that we have is really hopefully the heartbeat of, Je- what is the heartbeat of Jesus? Hopefully our heart is in line with His as we, or just a consistently on-go place for the sake of the gospel. Whether that go is Loretto Elementary, our neighborhood school, or whether that go is um, to Bolivia, uh, where right now one of um, our dear friends, Scholar Revis, is. And I love a note that dropped into my text thread. And um, it's in our, uh, we have a little group. Um, it's a very serious group uh, of fantasy football players called the Jacksonville Swagwars. And so... Um, and so uh, Skylar's in that group with us, and he drops in our group and says, um, I know football might be important, but I just want to tell you what we really have been doing this week. And there's a picture of him, and I should have put it up on the screen for you. Um, I should send it to you, Matt, you're in that. We could throw it up on the screen at the end of the service um, if he can get it in there. But uh, it's this picture of him having a conversation in Bolivia with um, a, a tribal language group. Uh, that is not open or amenable to a conversation uh, with anyone because their language is very protective of their tribe. And so they ended up having the privilege of, um, through multiple translation, a conversation with the tribal chief who came to hear of the gospel of Jesus, who apparently as they are talking has, is wrestling with and perhaps um, allowing the Holy Spirit to do something with that gospel with him. And so a tribal chief who's never heard the name of Jesus, whose language is protected, heard the name of Jesus through one of ours who said, yes, I will go through a church in Chicago. And I just love the kingdom of Christ. Yeah. And so that's beautiful. And then another that you're praying for. So Skylar will be home tomorrow. There will be home for him. Unfortunately, is not Jacksonville currently. It's Chicago. And so he'll fly back into O'Hare. And then uh, we have another one of our students. Her name is Cynthia Cannon. And Cynthia is driving today uh, into Swaziland um, to the village that she will be serving for the next eight days. You're, uh, we as a church have been praying for her for the last two weeks. And so um, keep it up. They're going to speak to a group of women. The first time um, in this ministry that a group of women will gather and speak about the beautiful and wondrous gospel of Jesus together. For 13 years, um, needs have been supplied um, the gospel has been prospering, and so for the first time, women are going to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. And so um, we're just, we just think that's normal. So three weeks in a row, we've said goodbye to people for temporarily to go for the gospel. We eat lunch together to go shape a nation. Um, we do that because um, Jesus said to. And that's sufficient for us. And so, um, glory to Christ. And, and, um, Patty and Jeremy are here. Just looked back and saw you. I haven't seen you this moment. So feeling a sense of go to Nepal. And I don't really know the details other than that's been on go for a while. So I think the go is getting closer. Good to see y'all. Because we just do that. 
I saw y'all looking at, oh, there's the picture. That's, yeah, that's Skylar's crew meeting a tribal chief, speaking the name of Jesus to the very first time to a tribe that has about six components across the nation of Bolivia. That just makes my heart happy. I hope it does yours. Um, I, I want to, uh, to conclude. Here's, here's how we want to, to go about today. Um, I know we have rhythms, and you know, so we're arrhythmic in the service today because we're going to sing for a while after I finish preaching, which should be really short. <laughs> and so, um, thank you for the laughter. And so uh, I wanted to just, we want to end just praising Jesus and thanking Him for who He is. And uh, there's a verse, and, and the translation of this verse has been meaningful for me. Uh, I'm reading from the CSB, and this is just the thematic verse uh, we've had the summer in the Psalms, if you've been a part of our worship experiences, and I really want to read a plethora of verses from the Psalms. The foundational verse is Psalm 156, the closing psalm of the book of Psalms. And Psalm 150 is this call to worship and praise and this adoration of Jesus as the King of glory. And reading from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, this translation just moves me. It says, These words that let everything that breathes praise the Lord. So I've I've memorized this. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Um, And then it says praise the Lord. I I really love the Hebrew word. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. And then the um, concluding beautiful statement of the 150th Psalm is hallelujah. Like, Lord, if we're breathing, our lives are a hallel to you. They're a declaration of the glory of who you are. And so, um, if you're breathing right now, let everything that breathes give homage and prayer and praise and worship to the Lord, to the King of glory. And so, um, I would love to pray for us and invite the Holy Spirit. And I'll do that in this way. Jesus, I praise you for your word and your scripture, your truth and who you are. And God, I pray that we will be um, people of worship today, that God, we will join with the psalm, the psalmist as they ascended to who you were and saw you for who you are. And God, there was the, the breath of heaven that moved on their lives and their, their breath became that breath as well. Just hallelujah, you are Lord. And so Jesus, I pray that we will recognize that we are worshipers. And God, you will move us into being a worship community that is crying out, God, we have breath. You are Lord. You are good. Hallelujah. And so Jesus, um, we welcome you here today. I pray that you would do what you do so well, that you would come and convict. You would come and affirm. You would come and reprove us today. God, that you would do what you do so well. You would transform us into the image of Jesus. And so, Jesus, we come into this room with multiple situations, multiple adventures with you. God, I pray that you would meet us where we are, and God, you would carry us more deeply into you. And I trust your word and your spirit to do that. And so, Jesus, we praise you for this day, and we're breathing. We praise you for this day. Amen. There's a, there's a couple of sentences that I, I think are important. Worship is the response to what we value most. And if we're breathing and we value Jesus, the natural response of who we are will be to worship God and say, Lord, let everything that breathes, let, let that praise you. Let our hearts be given to praise. I mean, worship tells us what we value. 
as, as a result of that, it, de- it defines and determines our actions, how we're walking out this life. You are worshiping, and I'm not referring to the fact that if you're in this room and not yet a believer, this isn't a conversation solely for believers. Everyone is worshiping right now. And everyone is making a declaration in life, and, and everyone in this room, everyone that we're going to run into this day, are making a declaration of, what, of their life of what is of worth to them. They're declaring in worship, if you will, this is what's worthy for me. And it, and what we worship will define our actions, will carry us forward in, in who we are and what we're about. This, this, I want to be really clear. This isn't solely, worship isn't solely for the religious crowd. Everyone on the, the planet is worshiping. A multitude of, of souls are crying out in declaration, this is my affection. This is my heart. This is what I am about, and this is my allegiance. Everyone has an altar, and every altar has a throne. And it's critically important to know that about our hearts, because our hearts will be swayed to an altar. And I think maybe the great question is, as we are breathing in, are we breathing in the fullness of Jesus? For most of us in this room, we're followers of Christ. Would you say that's the throne of worth in your life this day? Because... The scripture says that everyone that breathes is breathing in this grace and goodness of God. Lord, let our hearts turn this to this. Hallelujah to you, Lord God. Hallelujah to who you are and what you're about. Everyone has an altar. Every altar has a throne. Thursday, I mean, Thursday night, for example, I, I saw an altar. And then I think we do this in our own lives. But Thursday night, there is an altar that stands gloriously in this city. And it captures many hearts. And, and in fact, there's, there's often as I walk about, and I was writing my notes of just my experience of this personal worship encounter, that I think there's a lot of times that they're more passionate for that than I experience in the passion of this room. Because again, Everyone has a throne and every throne has an altar and every one of us are worshiping. And so for me, Thursday night, I mean, I don't know. I haven't sat in an hour and 45 minute traffic to get to Mandarin Baptist um, like I did an hour and 45 minute, which typically takes me 22 minutes to get to TIAA Bank Stadium. But there, I mean, there's worship that's going on in this city and it's prolific and it's beautiful and it's powerful and it's unifying and people are gathering up. I was, um, I go with friends, um, to what, there it is. There's, there's worship. I don't know if you've ever thought of that. It's, it's worship. It has affection. There's declarations that are made. Everybody's in chilling back when I'm, when I'm driving up. Unless you've been in an hour and 45, there's usually windows down. There's a lot of yelling back and forth. It's, it's always fun. You typically yell one particular thing. Thank you. Yeah, it's not like that. See, we're so churchy. We, we, we yell Duval. No, it's not how it goes. I mean, and for me, I mean, even just driving in here and Duval, I mean, just hearing that cascade over the city, which I don't get it. When I came back, we were apparently passionate about our county name. And so that's new to me. So, but I'm, I'm trying. I'm just throwing my heart in there going Duval. Live in St. John's Duval. St. John's has no ring to it. St. John's. <laughs> just, you feel wimpy? Just, just, sorry, Duval. I'm going to drive back across the line. Duval. And so, um, we're, I mean, we're, I'm just driving up to the stadium. So if you don't like sports, you don't understand this. And I am okay with that. But whatever sport you like, baseball, football, the Crimson Tide, you know, praise the Lord. Um, 
Jaguars, there is a sacred moment. And I had to, I was walking with Matt and Ben and my son. And they were rushing because we were late. We missed the first quarter. And so they're blowing through the hallway. I'm like, y'all got to stop. Because we're in the stadium and we're about to walk through the tunnel. And this is a sacred experience. You only get to do it once. And so I'm not counting preseason because we were late. But I'm, so forgive me. But I, I mean, it is something when you walk out in the stadium. And see, if you don't like sports, you understand. But it's powerful. And then, I mean, we have like friends we've sat around with for three years. So you walk up and you haven't seen each other in five months. And you're like knuckling, saying hey to his daughter, catching up on her soccer career at, Ar- at um, Terry Parker High which was my rival in high school. I was a Sandalwood guy. And so we're, you know, knuckling each other over her, you know, her escapades with Terry Parker. And just like we love each other, as if we're great friends, because we haven't seen each other for five months, but we share this worship in common, if you will. And then the game starts, and we have this weird thing about moving chains and celebrating touchdowns and every person in the stadium. I mean, this is what's powerful. 60,000 voices come together as one. You know, I, I don't know. And then with the walkout after the win, this is always, if we didn't have that Thursday night. In fact, you don't have that often until last year. But the walkout, I mean, one of my favorite things is ending up with the drum line after the game. If you've been to a game, ending up with a drum line. John Turner and I will end up with two of the most awkwardly white, terribly dancing people out there doing it anyway. I mean, it's bad. But we'll stay out there for a while. Just there's the drum line. If you haven't been to a game, it's pretty exciting. In fact, it's this, this is just a thought for church life. This is post-game. Everything that was planned is over. And everyone isn't jubilant solely for what the plan was. They're just jubilant for what's going to carry on. There's a lot of spiritual applications you can run with here. There's a lot of jumping up and down when the preacher didn't plan it. There's not a lot. Of, anyway, I won't go. I'm, I'm going to stick with that. And so... I mean, it's just a great time, and we're together with a purpose. And I would say, I would say, I would want to bring this back and ask this question, and then I want to um, read Psalm 156 again. Um, the question came out of Psalm 15, not 115, Psalm 15, verse 1 and 2. Who ascends the hill of the Lord? Who walks into the place of worship? Who are the people who experience the presence of the Lord? We began the summer in Psalms with this, this verse and this question. It is the people who are running hard after the heart of the living God. It is the worshipers that are ascending the hill of the Lord. It's the people who bring this unity that comes around them. And I think this scripture today has much to do with the unity of the body of believers. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I have three thoughts for you today in light of the summer in Psalms. The first is this. There is a unity in a declared... There is a unity in... There's united. There's a unity in our declaration of the glory of the living God. There's a unity that happens among us. I mean, look, if you could venture back to that picture, I mean, when you see a picture of the stands, it is every walk of life in the city of Jacksonville, every group of people, every color of Jacksonville, and we just come together and we start declaring one thing. And it's an extraordinarily temporal thing, but I believe it's a picture of what God is, is seeing for the body of Christ when he sees worshipers, this every walk of life coming in and one declaration, one hope, one glory. And it should, and in fact, it must, according to scripture, capture our soul. Capture who we are. So we begin to say, God, we unite around you and we declare your glory just to move this 
and your heart and mind out of football and go Jags for a few moments. The Israelite people who are living out these psalms and seeking to ascend the hill, here's what they're known for. Overlay this on you know the church today. They're known for tribal divisions, for factions, for strength of opinion, for internal backbiting, and despite all of their differences, and here's the beautiful part as we think of the summer in Psalms, despite of all of their differences, the people of Israel go on a pilgrimage together three times a year with this as their heartbeat. On their way to the pilgrimage, they are singing the summer of Psalms. On their pilgrimage to the place where they can declare the glory of God and breathe in this reality, we have different thoughts. We are different people. We have different tribes. We have one king of glory. We're a diversity of people and we're passionate about what we're passionate about. But the one preeminent passion of our soul is the cross of Christ in this room. And so we have, we have, and this is, this is the beauty and wonder of the gathering. As they ascend the hill, as they make their way to, uh, amen. As they ascend the hill and they make their way to this gathering and they make their way. I love the, the Psalms of Ascent. They sing them all the way up. Psalm 134 is the pinnacle Psalm of Ascent. And just reading a portion of that, it says, Now, they're, they're singing this with all their heart by this point. Bless the Lord, you servants of the Lord, who stand in the Lord's house at night. Lift up your hands in the holy, holy place, Lord, and bless the Lord, oh, our soul. They're walking and ascending and saying, who gets to ascend? Here's who ascends. As they walk to this preeminent gathering of, of, of people who are about the preeminent Savior, here's what unifies them. The praise and worship of the King of glory. And here's what they realize. Everyone has an altar and every altar has a throne. And by the time they have worshipped their way toward the ascension of the hill, they have come together around one purpose and one passion and that is the worship of King Jesus. And there, there has to rise up within us a declaration among us and I, I know we're like, I don't know why, I really don't because I read the scripture and it doesn't fit, but I know that for some reason we're somber about this and we're, you know, we just kind of, there's a passion that evokes through scripture over the name of Jesus. And there's a passion that should rise up in our soul and a biblical pattern of worship that just simply makes the Jag games look putrid. I mean, we're three and 13 and people out here us. There's one moderate amen on that. Can you imagine the people of the body of believers ascending the hill unified in corporate praise? And I wrote this sentence to myself. Unity is found in the midst of our praise. Unity is found in a body of worshipers who are just ascending the hill. And you know what? Factions fall away. Issues. There will be healing in this room as we are worshiping and praising because we're looking around and going, there's nothing left but Jesus and we are one in him. And so factions and tribal agreements and tribal disagreements and struggles and sorrow and things that have differentiated us, they just come together when holy hands are lifted before God. And we're just saying, we're declaring, we are saying to him, you are the Lord, you are the king of glory and we worship you. And all of a sudden you're looking around, there's like a hallelujah that's shouting out from around the body. Unity is found in the midst of our praise. When followers of Jesus, when they make their way to ascension of worship, we, we find this. Our tribal ways fall away. 
But we find this to be true. Our family unity is found around one glorious Father who's made manifest in one beautiful Son and whose, whose hearts are spent through one powerful Spirit as we come together to say, Jesus, you are King among us. And we show who we are in this unashamed, unabashed, impassioned worship for Jesus. We become the embodiment. I just wrote this sentence. We incarnate, we put on flesh of being the wonder of one people for the sake of one king. And for me, it's a declaration of the glory and the wonder of God. Who doesn't want to share life as the people of one? As, as songs take place, as they have meaning, as our, as our ascension to God allays discord, as our ascension to God both internally and externally, both among the family and to the city, we are speaking of this glorious one that we worship and we're making that declaration with our lips and more importantly, with our lives. We're saying, God, you bring a unity of heart that we could not possibly conjure in and of ourselves. And it, it, it is forged as we ascend the hill and as we praise Jesus for who he is. Worship is our response to his wonder is my second thought. Our lives are just a declaration. God invites us to ascend, to live as a people of wonder for who he is. And so not only are we declaring him, we're just in awe of him and saying, God, we worship you. One of my favorite writers, quite a... Um, contemplative man. His name is Richard Foster. Richard Foster writes a lot on the spiritual disciplines. I have thoroughly enjoyed reading Richard Foster over the years. Spent far too much time with him about eight years ago, just hanging out and thinking about this. And he just writes some simple thoughts, very um, comprehensive and yet simple thoughts about worship, that we don't worship in a way that leads us to our comfort. And in fact, um, we will typically worship in a manner that is fully moving toward God when we're stepping out of what's comfortable for us and what's a response to the wonder of God. And the reason he said that we so often don't do that is because we're far more concerned with our own internal reasoning and rationale and focus on ourselves than we are at looking at a God of wonder. And he said, as we begin to worship and begin to look at the patterns of worship and what God is teaching us about worship, we begin to see God for who he is and things happen among us. They're just biblical, not weird, just biblical. Like we begin to bow before the Lord, our God, our maker. We begin to lift holy hands to the living God. We begin a confessional to God. And this this would and should happen across this room today as we hear this truth every person has an altar and every altar has a throne there should logically there should spiritually be some dethroning some confession before the king of glory today there would be some dethroning of things that have taken over the throne of our life so that we could we could simply say i have breath lord and you are king hallelujah and so as we, as we walk through worship and declare this, Richard says, I think a lot of our struggles with worship is because we still in our worship are looking at ourselves. We're looking around us at others and wondering what they will think. I, I, I particularly love in response to worship David, who wrote many of, most, the majority of the Psalms, not all. And I love David's response to worship in one particular encounter, and you know it well. Um, and I'm gifted at this as well because David frustrated his wife in his worship. I don't, I don't think I ever frustrate my wife in my worship. I just frustrate my wife in general. Let's leave it at that at times. And so, um, I'll get off of that. I love you, honey. And so, yeah, I'm moving. Frustrating her right now. And so, um, 
I love David. He's, I mean, this, this is this moment where he's, he's carried into this kingship and his longing. This is, this should be a longing for us across the church. God, um, it's just become prevalent to me that your presence is far from us. And symbolically in the Old Testament, the presence was exemplified by the Ark and Ark of the Covenant. And so as, as David is just recognizing, we've left the Ark among the Philistines for an extraordinarily long time. And Lord, I believe that the presence of God belongs among the people of God, and we long to bring that presence back. And so as you begin to read this encounter in First Samuel, if you will, or Second Samuel, and you just begin to read about the steps that he took to bring the presence of God back among the people of God, it's radical. Because what happened with David is his heart was pure. And he really wanted his presence of God to be among them. But it required him not only to have this ambitious heart and to throw holy hands up before the Lord. He did all that and still he still radically messed this up because he had failed to read the word of God about how to handle the presence of God. And so he had to go back as he lost life over that mistake. Passion is clear, word of God unclear to him. And so he began to study the scripture and say, how do we handle this? And so forged poles and sent the people back out and they went back out. There were spiritual adjustments. There were biblical adjustments. There were sacrifice adjustments. There were motivation adjustments. There was a patience and waiting on time. And then when David, when David finally has centered his life in the living God, has centered their lives in the biblical matter, hey, have walked in with the people of God and the presence of God and they're making their way to the city. Here's what happens to us when we're making our way to the city. We fail at that point to care about where we measure in life, where we stack up in life. Our importance meter, whether it's sky high or extraordinary low, is irrelevant to us because what David did in his response was to take off all portions of authority that would, would say to others, hey, here's the king, here's the important one. He just stripped down to his underwear and started dancing before the Lord. He just stripped down and said, there's no authority left in this room except this king of glory. There is none left in this room except the one to worship. And so I would like for people perhaps not to recognize me as anyone other than one that points toward the living God. And so I will point toward the living God. And I, because I am in wonder and awe of him, I just, I can't help this. I am stripping down and I am dancing before the king of glory. And if I can make much of him, it will be a glorious conclusion to this. And a glorious walking into what God is doing. And I, I just wrote sentences of this. He, in this journey, all personal authority was removed. And for those around you, there are those, including him, for him, his wife, who long for his place of prominence. And what David discovered is there is no prominent one in worship but God. And there will be people that will be very near to us that long, even as we give our hearts of praise, who long for their personal power and agenda. And I would just say, when you begin to see God for who he is, those voices and those faces fade. And you just move down before the king of glory and you ascend the hill. And when you ascend the hill, it is a beautiful experience. David replied, as Michael said, you're humiliating me and you're the king. And he says, well, Welcome. Because I'm going to dance before the Lord. And I'll lower myself. And I'll be humble before him. This is 2 Samuel 6, 21-22. And, and I, most of you know this, I will be far more undignified than this. He just said, I will, I will relentlessly humble myself before God in my praise. And I'll do that even more. 
It's not going to end. I'm going to worship and allow Jesus to carve away everything that is not of him. And I'm going to worship him for who he is. And I'm going to keep ascending the hill. What strikes me most about this is that he was the king. He was the person of extraordinary stature. And he just simply said, Lord, here's what I want you to know. That I'm going to publicly profess who you are. And I'm going to privately confess who you are. And God, I think those two will run together. And I, I just wrote this sentence down. True worshipers forget themselves. True worshipers are just saying, Jesus, I see you for who you are. And I, 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 my primary focus in life is you, God. And I'm going to lead the way in going after you, God. David wrote of himself in Psalm 119.64, God, I praise you seven times a day for your righteous judgment. Can you imagine running with David? I, I don't think this is a proscripted seven times a day. I'm going to pause either. I think what he's saying is kind of almost a 70 times seven statement. Like, my life is weird. I, I, I'm running, I'm around people like this and, and I realize how not weird I am. And I don't say that in a good way. I say that in a sad way. I, I'm around people who just will move out of. That was it. I'm, I'm done. I like that. Somebody said time's up. I'm like, yeah, it's over. Sorry, y'all. So in conclusion, no, um, I'm around people who, uh, I forgot what I was saying. I'm around people who, you know, just will be talking to me. And next thing I know, they're talking to Jesus. And, and or, you know, would just be abandoned. I don't know how to, just when you picture David just writing and you're having this dialogue with him and you're talking about things that matter. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's just his eye. I mean, his eyes are shut. His hands are lifted. And he's grabbed your hand with one hand and lifting holy hands with the other, just talking to Jesus because it is a relentless norm of his day to just worship. You know, it's just normal. It's people are just walking with him, and they just know, okay, well, David's walking. We're talking about something God did. We're going to stop for eight minutes because he's going to kneel. He's just going to have to tell Jesus, thank you, and I'm, I, we've got to get there, and he's praising Jesus back here, so this is normal for David. And I, I just think we should probably memorize that verse in Psalm 119, verse um, 64. God, just a normal practice of my life is that I praise you. The normal practice of my life, it's an everyday norm, norm of my life. People who are walking around with me all of a sudden are being prayed for. People who are walking around with me all of a sudden, we're building an altar and thanking God for what he's done. People walking around with me, my, my daughter um, called me from Africa this morning and said, um, and this, this is a Baptist person, so you can rest easy in this. She said, look, Jennifer just had a vision for what God's going to do the week. We've just been in relentless prayer for the last five hours. I'm exhausted. I think that's the norm among us, where we just have dreams and passions and heart cries, and we're just centered on Jesus, and all of a sudden we find ourselves in a four or five hour prayer over this. It's just, this is the norm among David. I, I think it should be the norm among the body of believers. We're just the people who are saying, Lord, true worshipers forget themselves, and it's the norm that I make space to praise God. It's just the norm that I'm full on for Jesus. It's the norm that I might be in the middle of a conversation and someone begins instead to converse with me, but to converse with Jesus. It's the norm to drive and have to pull over, even on the side of that, just to say, Jesus, we love you. I have friends like this, and I fully realize how not weird I am, and I fully have told Jesus, please, Lord, draw me to you so that I will be a worshiper. If you or I are going to, here's a sentence that I would love for you to consider and then I will begin to close. If you and I are going to unify people as we make our way through this journey, 
we should unify them around the one who stands over time and eternity. I, I do. I will continue to go to a worship fest in downtown. But it does not stand over time and eternity. And it cannot outpassion my heart for this room and for the king. And I, I'm not suggesting don't, don't enjoy life, savor, thing. You, you like fish, go fish. It just can't outpassion Jesus. And I wonder, and this is, a, this is an important question, I wonder what thrones are in this room that need to be torn down that outpassion Jesus. That's a reckless question. I, let me ask it again. You should journal it. And, and you really should pray over this for the next years. What thrones survive in this room that outpassion Jesus? It's worthy of prayer. Worship is beautiful personally, and it's gloriously corporate. That's my last thought. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. One generation declares your works to the next, and they proclaim your mighty acts. Psalm 145, 4. We commend glory in and share in the triumph of Jesus together. Literally, this, this is a corporate word. And the corporate word is um, this, this word in Psalm 145, which is becoming a theme verse for our fellowship. And over the next six, seven months, you'll um, begin to hear more and more about this, this word. One generation declaring the beauty and the wonder of the living God to the next. And they're proclaiming his mighty acts among each other. Um, the... the Hebrew word for this declaration is literally, this is what's rising up from among the body. This is what's rising up among the people. It is a, an atmosphere of praise, and an accurately translated word would be, it's a holy roar among the body. One generation roaring the greatness of God to the next. One generation declaring the acts of God among the others. Generations making this declaration of the wonder of the living God. And it's because he's captured our hearts and he has our soul and we are declaring him as the king of glory. May we as a body of believers be an expression of praise to God. Who ascends the hill, Lord? It's a people who are fostering a holy roar for your goodness. A declaration of your value. Chris Tomlin wrote this words: When this happens among a body of believers, songs become anthems. Anthems become declarations. And declarations become a holy roar. This roar reaches from one generation to the next. Here's what I what would not want you to hear me say. This isn't for us to pump each other up or to have awkward moments together. This isn't what I'm preaching. This, this isn't for a particular place and time. It's for a people, the body of believers, to be worshipers in spirit and in truth. But the purpose is this in Psalm 145. For one generation to pass the faith on to the next. And this isn't senior adults, just you passing it down. It's you looking and saying, where have we missed it? And what can I learn from a 16-year-old? It's for 16-year-olds to look at 50-year-olds like me and say, I wonder what it looks like to be 50 and passionate. And I want to be able to show them that. For them to look at the college students and say to them, show us how to do college. And we're, we're, we're saying, follow us and you'll see Jesus. It's a declaration in our actions and in our worship of the wonder of God. And that becomes an anthem. It becomes a roar among the body of Christ that is saying, King Jesus, you are our king. Summer songs become our songs. A people whose songs become anthems, whose anthems become declarations, 
whose declarations become a roar. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let it be, Lord. Let it be. May we ascend the hill and may the breath of our gatherings serve as praise to our God. Hallelujah. Jesus, we want to close our gathering of worship and open our time of eating and enjoying company with you and with each other in praise. Lord, we just want to sing to you for a bit and tell you who you are. That you are the Holy One. Who we are. We are children of yours. God, what what that speaks to us as your children. God, I pray for a, a time and season for us just to rest in you. To sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs for a few minutes. Just to call you the King of glory. God, I pray as a church, we'll just ascend the hill together. If there's any factions and tribes in the room, that they will fade. And God, what will be left standing at the end of our singing will be one throne, one king, one savior, one hope, one baptism, one Lord, one Christ. As we, as we do often, we just we want to close our service in song. It's just going to be a few songs. Our altar is always open. This could be a beautiful morning for some of you to come and lay rival thrones down at an altar and build a throne for King Jesus. This happens most Sunday mornings. Some of our pastors will likewise be here at the front. You just want to hear someone lift you up by name. You, you don't have to go through us. But it is beautiful to hear someone at times just lift your name before the King of glory. So we're here. If you would like to know Christ, we're here. If you would like to just speak the wonder of Christ and have someone speak that to him, we're here. Would you join with me in ascending the hill of worshiping this morning, of calling him the glorious one, of leaving no other thrones? Would you stand with me? Would you worship with me? Would you celebrate Jesus with me?